That is La Chapelle, one of the two church plants that uh, we're partners with in Montreal. Uh, We're just starting a new partnership uh, with uh, a pastor named Nate Vadoya uh, in the city of Edmonton. Uh, From the very beginning, La Chapelle was our very first church plant in uh, Canada. And uh, from the very first service that they launched, we were partners with them. And uh, from the time that they launched until today, uh, we've seen God do amazing things, baptizing over 100 people every year, uh, and now running well over uh, 11 or 1,200 each weekend in the weekend gatherings. They are the largest evangelical church in the city of Montreal, one of the largest in Canada. And that is what God has done through them, and we get to share in that. Um, it's not just La Chapelle, but it's also Le Contact uh, with Pastor Joel Saint-Cyr. Saint- Saint- and uh, Pastor Joel is uh, one of the great friends that I have in Montreal, uh, just a tremendous man of God. And, and friends to many of you, we've had uh, mission teams who have gone and partnered uh, with Le Contact, and God continues to do great things uh, through them as well and, and our partnership with them. So it's exciting. You know, uh, again, and you've heard me say it and you'll hear me say it again, mission uh, is not just a slogan that we have. It's who we are as First Baptist Norfolk. Uh, mission is not uh, just a fund uh, that we contribute to. It's our lifestyle. And it is exciting to see how God has used over these last, since January 1, how that God has used the different uh, aspects of our church living the mission uh, to reach into an unreached, unengaged people group. And the very first person from this tribe uh, in the history of its existence uh, came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And and, and now uh, celebrating what God is doing in Montreal and Canada. It's so exciting to see what God does. And, and that's who we are, First Norfolk. We live the mission for God's glory. We're, uh, we are a people committed uh, to help those far from God find life in Christ. Did you see what one of those individuals said, that, that one of the things that he loves about La Chapelle is the people who know Jesus as well as the people who don't know Jesus can come to La Chapelle and and feel uh, an acceptance. But then he added, if the people who come to La Chapelle and they don't know Jesus, the more they are with the other believers and in the worship and in the small groups, the more they're there, the more they'll see uh, uh, Jesus. And he said, and they'll have a big relationship with Jesus. I, I thought that was a beautiful picture. Uh, and he, I mean, we, we could use a big relationship with Jesus, you and me, right? I mean, boy, wouldn't that be awesome? That's one of the things that we're getting at in this sermon series. And today's a unique day. It's a different day and it has been all day long and it will continue to be, but we kind of planned it as we were planning today's worship. We were planning it to be different. Uh, there, there is something different about today that we have planned and and uh, so uh, as we, as, as God continued that purpose of making it different by bringing snow and uh, all this other bunch of stuff, it's, it's been exciting to see how God uh, does things. But uh, what we're doing uh, right now is we're going through a series of, 
of, of, of lessons and, and, and study, studying different portions of God's Word so that we can have a new attitude. And it's not just any attitude. It's the attitude of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the Apostle Paul wrote, Let this mind or attitude, this, this way of thinking that leads to a way of living, uh, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and that is what we've been pursuing. We've been looking at how that we can have uh, not just any new attitude, not just a new year, new you kind of perspective, but really how that we can have the attitude of Jesus so that Christ's attitude, his way of thinking, shapes how we think and how we live so that our life is not a reflection of the cultural ideas around us, but rather our life is a reflection of the way Jesus thought and lived so that we really do reflect the, the person whom we say we follow. Um, so as we've looked through this, we, we saw on January 10th that God's calling us to uh, uh, have Christ's attitude toward mission. And, and then last week we saw that uh, Jesus gives us uh, some challenging and even scandalous teaching about loving our enemies. And, and, and that led us to uh, really struggle with that, led you to struggle with that. I haven't completely finished uh, returning all the emails that were sent to me this past week. Uh, I still have more to go and make no mistake, I'm getting to them. It's just taking me a little bit of time. I'm trying to be thoughtful with every response. And, uh, and, and, and yet, I, I was encouraged by how challenging last week's message was. And some of you were mad. I mean, you, you were, and, and you've expressed that in different ways. Thank you. Uh, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. But, but it was, it was, it was, it's encouraging for me because what that means is that the message from the Lord, I believe, really touched your heart, whether you liked it or not. And, and, and here's the thing. Please disagree with me. I beg you disagree with me. But when Jesus says, love your enemies, there's really no way to disagree with that. I mean, you can try. You can try to redefine certain things, but he says, love your enemies. And those words mean exactly what you think they mean. And so if Jesus says, this is the way you ought to think, then you know it's the right way to think. Am I right? And, and if, if we don't like it, then we know that, or if we don't agree with it, we know we're wrong. Jesus is right, we're wrong. Am I right about that? Can we all agree? I mean, you might not agree out loud and you might even disagree in your heart, but, but we believe as a church, our core conviction as a church is that Jesus is always right. Always. All right, so, so now we've got to figure out how to do that. We've got to figure out how to adjust uh, the way we think to match what Jesus says. So last week's was challenging, and, and I appreciate all the thoughtful responses and even some of the mean ones that I got from you. Uh, no, they were great. They really were. And, 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 and so we're, I'll, I'll, I'll try to answer all those and finish those up this week, uh, responding to those emails, um, because I want you to think through it even more. Okay, <clears throat> this week 
we're going to do things a little bit <coughs> differently toward the end, um, but uh, same kind of idea. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus sums it up, his attitude this way. He says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, I want you to think about that, and you ought to memorize it. It's an easy one to memorize. Many of you already have. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And if that was the attitude of Jesus, I know that we're not Jesus, but we should have his attitude If that was his attitude, then we should grow in having the same kind of attitude as it relates to serving others. So today we're going to unpack this right attitude that Jesus gives us about how to serve others. (coughs) We might not enjoy it. Again, many of the things that Jesus teaches us and, and, and the Spirit applies to our heart to challenge us and to change us, they're going to be scandalous to us. They're, they're going to confront us. They're going to cause us discomfort. They're going to, to get in our face and we're not going to like it. That's, that's okay. That's good. Because that means that the Spirit of God is working on you to show you where you are wrong and Jesus is right. And, and, and where I am wrong and Jesus is right. And together what we need to do is stop being so arrogant about our own viewpoint and to thinking that we're right and somehow Jesus needs to get educated and, and and get on our program. See, we, we need to get on his program. So when it comes to serving others, we need to, we need to allow Jesus to speak to our heart to show us what he says. Now, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to uh, bind this up with a lot of different verses. I, I'm really focusing in on two verses. I'm, I'm, we're going to look at Mark chapter 9, verse 35, and Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Those are the two verses. And if we will take these two verses and allow the Spirit of God to apply them to our lives so that they become our lifestyle, not just a slogan, then we will participate in great things that God has planned every day. All right, so as we're looking at what what Jesus began to teach, 1045 really sums it all up. Son of man came not to be served, but to serve, give his life a ransom for many. But what led him to say that, well, you got to go all the way back to Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus has come off the Mount of Transfiguration, and he has, he has shown himself to his uh, closest followers that he is uh, amazing, that he's standing up there with all the heroes of the faith and literally touching heaven itself, God the Father is displaying his pleasure on God the Son, Jesus, and, and, and Christ's closest followers are seeing this, and they're amazed, and they're overwhelmed, and they come down the mountain back to real life. And in that real life, along that journey uh, off the mountain, the disciples begin to argue about who will be the greatest in the kingdom. 
Now, they knew that Jesus was going to be the greatest, but they wanted to be, uh, know who was going to be alongside him as the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And, and, and so they debate and they argue and they, they get in a discussion and, and more than what we see there in Mark chapter 9. So what Jesus does, he gathers around himself. He, he brings them close and he, and he sits them in a kumbaya circle. And I'm sure there's a campfire in the middle. It probably was. And he get, has, has them all around himself. And, in, 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 and then he says to them, whoever desires to be the greatest in the kingdom, let him be last. And let him be servant of all. Uh, two statements about being great in God's kingdom. It's not about place, it's not about prominence, it's not about longevity, it's not about intelligence, but rather greatness in God's kingdom comes through serving. Serving others. In fact, it, Jesus qualifies it pretty specifically. He said, you want to be great if you want to be first and that term first there in, in Mark chapter 9, verse 35 shows priority, place of prominence, place of preeminence. If, if you want to be first, then you, you've got to be last and servant of all. Um, it is the picture of, of uh, when, I, when I was uh, growing up, uh, I was the youngest in my crew of friends. I, 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 my older brother and I played sports together, and, and, and so that meant that, that I would play on teams that he played on, uh, and he was older than I was, so I was always the youngest on the older team. And we would hang out together with those friends, and so I was always the youngest of those older friends. I was always the youngest, always developmentally challenged. I'm not talking about intelligence, I'm just talking about stature-wise. I'm not a big man, never have been a big man. I'm not a tall man, and I'm not a strong man. Um, I'm just me. And and I was always, I had more hair back then, but I wasn't much bigger than I was, am right now. And, and so always growing up, I was always the youngest and I was always most of the time the smallest. And being the youngest and the smallest meant that the other uh, uh, um, um, people, um, friends, uh, they would call the shots and I would do the fetching, right? So they would say, we want some, uh, some tang. And so I would go, So I would go inside and I would make some tang and bring it outside. Uh, uh, I want some water. So I would go to the water hose and turn it on. Yeah, that We didn't have bottled water back then. It was the water hose. Anyway, uh, it, it, so I was, the, I was the smallest and I was the youngest. And so I was the one that they told to go do stuff. And I served them. Now, here's what Jesus says. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Then you need to have that posture all the time with everybody else. You want to be first? Then you better be last and servant of all. Servant of all. That means that that, that, that picture of us uh, being last and servant of all paints the picture of us walking into a room and thinking everybody here has a place of priority over me 
And I am here so that I can serve them. I never have gotten a lot of amens. I don't know if it's the weather or if it's the topic. It must be the weather. No, we don't like that. See, we we like the idea of having our places of prominence and priority. We, We sit in certain seats and people recognize who we are we 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 have places and where we park by the way in our church we have determined that we want to serve the guests um and 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 we serve the guests in one way by providing prime parking spots for guests guests those are people who are not members of our church guests Uh, If you have been a member of our church for uh, six days or six hours or 66 hours or 666 hours, if you are a member of the church, you do not qualify of parking in the guest spot. And yet there are people still today, they tell me, who act as if that guest spot is their spot. And the reason they say it's their spot is because they've been uh, a member here for so long or whatever stature they think that they have. And I'm here to tell you that is the exact opposite of what Jesus teaches us in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, that you should come to this church not looking for how others can serve you, how that you can get your place of promise, but rather how that you can serve others. We walk into a room not thinking of how we're entitled for other people to take care of me, but rather we walk into a room and we look and we say, how in God's name can I serve you? What what divides most churches, what divides most churches are different pockets of people looking at how they're entitled for certain things. What really should cause conflict in the church is a good-natured, God-hearted, spirit-filled fight over how we can serve each other with greater extravagance. Instead, we fight over how you can serve me. We ought to be getting in a tug of war about, I can serve you better than you can serve me. Let's try. See, greatness, God says, is not in your place of prominence. And there should never be this idea of entitlement. But rather, there should be this passionate pursuit of submitting myself to other people so that I can serve them. Greatness comes through serving. You want to be first? You better make it your heart's business to be last and servant of a few people. Servant servant of of many people. Servant of a, a lot of people. No, servant of all people. Good gravy. That's everybody else. Do you see that? It's not, it's not just a group of people that I like. It's not just my peer group that, that hang out with me. It's not just the, the folks around here that, that I like to hang out with. No, it's, it's all. I'm supposed to be the servant of all. That's the attitude of Jesus. Greatness comes through serving. 
So uh, the, the, the Jesus has taught this, and several other things happen in chapter 9, chapter 10, goes on. And, and then uh, 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 <laughs> James and John, in verse 35 of chapter 10, they, he, they just don't get it. I mean, Jesus has just said in, in chapter 10, just before James and John come up to him, J- Jesus has just said, okay, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed on a cross to pay the price for sin and, and, and so that sinners like you can be forgiven your sin. I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem to be killed. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. Now, he's just said this. So James and John come up to Jesus and in and, and verse 35, he said, now, now J- Jesus, we need to talk to you. And, 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 and we want you to give us whatever we ask. Look, look at verse 35, 36. Jesus, we want you to give us whatever, you, whatever we ask. They didn't say, Jesus will do for you whatever you want us to do. That's not what they said. They reversed it. They said, Jesus, you're our Santa Claus, so we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus didn't rebuke them, although he could have. Instead, verse 36 says, well, what do you want? He already knew, but he, 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 he wanted them to say it out loud. So, so he said, what do you want? And, and, and verse, verse uh, 37, they said, they said, uh, um, Jesus, what we want is for you, when you get to your heaven, uh, or, or when you come into your kingdom, if, if you would just put John on one side and James on the other, give us the seat of prominence. That's what we want. If you would just get, let us have prime seats in your privy council so that we can have those seats of preeminence, those places of prominence. See, they just didn't get it. And so Jesus begins to teach them again. And in teaching them again, it leads him to say, the Son of Man has come, not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. You know, regardless of what we think about ourselves, and most of us, most of us here have a pretty healthy view of ourselves, I would think, uh, at some level. Regardless of what we view of ourselves, regardless of what we want and our ambitions may be, we need to understand that our attitude must be not how we can be served, but how that we can serve. That, that the attitude that we must have is the same attitude that Jesus had. And I understand it's not easy. I'm not, I'm not even trying to pretend like I've got this one all together. I don't, I don't even come close. But as a, as a follower of Jesus, every day needs to be a journey where I get closer to have. See, so often what, what we want is the place of prominence. And we focus so much of our attention on the place of prominence. And we think that what really matters to us is the place of prominence. But what Jesus says to us today, it's not the place of prominence that matters, but rather it's, it's the heart of service like his. You know what Jesus did. And by the way, if anybody deserved to be served, it was Jesus. Am I right? King of creation, maker of heaven and earth. Lord of all, the one who taught as no one had ever heard up to that point, the one who healed the lame and made the blind to see and gave 
deaf ears hearing. I mean, he did the amazing and the miraculous. If anybody deserved to be served, it's Jesus. And yet Jesus said, when I came, I came for a purpose. And that purpose had nothing to do with you serving me, but rather me serving you. So how is it that we who are followers of Jesus have determined that what really matters is how we're being served rather than how well we're serving. When did we decide it was okay to flip that equation? See, if our Lord and King says that his purpose was not to be served but to serve, then we better make sure that we're following in that purpose. That our attitude is not, how can I be served? But rather, how can I serve? So it's our job as a church to help us grow in that. 